In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 281 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for those of you who are participating in the podcast tour, thank you. I really hope you enjoy it. I had so much fun inviting all of the podcast hosts and brainstorming and planning it all out and just putting it all together. You know, I am a big podcast junkie. And, you know, I get questions from time to time from coaches and other business owners about, oh, should I do a blog? Should I do a podcast? Should I do a video show on YouTube? And I'm like, however you like to consume content is how you should create your content. Because if you hate creating video, why are you going to make video? And that's really actually a huge reason why I have a podcast. I hate watching video. I can never bring myself to watch YouTube. I will always be that person clicking on the audio only option so I can listen while I'm going on walks or doing the dishes or whatever. So I hope you are finding some other podcasts that you love. I hope that it's opening your mind to new ideas. And if you've recently found me through the podcast tour, then a huge big welcome to you. I hope you enjoy the Love Life Connection. Just to give you a little uh, preview as to what you can expect from this podcast, twice a month, generally the first and third Thursdays of the month, I have either a client or a community member on the show and I coach them through a problem or or a question or situationship that they're in. The second Thursday of the month is a solo episode where I talk about a hot topic or I talk about something that came up in one of the coaching episodes. I do a little bit of a deep dive on. And then the fourth Thursday of the month, I have a guest expert on the show. So it's 
This month's guest expert is Madeline Charles, who is actually also part of the podcast tour. And we're actually doing a little two-parter on attachment styles. I know that's a really hot topic and a big thing that people have questions about and want to think about and, you know, do work around. So she came onto my show to talk about it a little bit. And then I'm going on to her show to talk a little bit how you can use inner child work to release some of those attachment styles, or at least the unhealthy attachment styles, I should say. So if you're not sure what the podcast tour is, if this is your first time hearing it. What I've done is for two and a half weeks or so, I have lined up a different podcast host from various podcasts in the relationship and personal growth space. And each day of the tour, one podcast will release an episode all along the theme of feeling worthy and love. Now, I did an episode on Monday to kick off the tour where I talked a little bit more about why I think this is a really important topic, why I chose it as a topic for the tour. And I talked a little bit about the difference between feeling confident and feeling worthy. I think sometimes those two ideas get interjected for each other. And they're really not the same thing, nor are they like related in any way. Like there's no inverse relationship or casual relationship, anything like that. You can feel worthy and not confident at all. You can feel confident and not feel worthy at all. And I talk a little bit about that and how to navigate it um, and how it might show up in your, in your dating life and how it can actually be quite deceiving because you can feel like, well, I'm really confident on dates. Like, that's great. But then you might settle for scraps, you know, once you actually are getting into the relationship space of, you know, dating someone. And that is a reflection of your worthiness, not your worthiness, but your perceived level of worthiness rather than your confidence. So make sure you just scroll back in the podcast player to listen to that episode to kick off the tour. And then each day when someone is releasing a episode on the tour for the tour, they will let you know which podcast went right before them and what podcast is going after them. So you can follow along. And especially if you're listening to this episode a little bit later, then probably most if not all of the episodes have already been released. So you can just kind of listen live. Or you can go to Veronica grant.com forward slash pod tour and sign up, which I highly recommend you do because if you're listening along to the tour live, I will send you a weekly recap of all of the episodes that were released from all the different podcasts. That way you can easily and quickly access all of them. And if you're listening to this episode long after the podcast tour has completed, which will be mid to late October, then you can still head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash pod tour, because as far as I know, those episodes will be alive and well for a very long time in all the participating podcasts. And so we'll still have all that stuff linked up so you can listen to all of the great content. All right, with that all being said, let's hop into today's call. So today I have a caller who is frustrated with attracting men who can't commit And uh, this by far is the number one question slash frustration I hear in this audience. And this probably shouldn't be that surprising to you. It's almost like cliche, right? It's almost just like a cliche trope, but it's it's cliche because it's kind of true, right? Obviously, I'm going to dig into this with my caller, Cece, so we can get clear on why she's attracting emotionally unavailable men or men who can't commit. But I want to give you my general answer that I give to everyone who shows up in my DMs, on client calls, on prospective client calls who have this frustration. And this is my response. If you attract one person who's not emotionally available during the course of your love life, of course, that's frustrating and you might get hurt, but also it's life and things happen. You nor I 
We're not God and we can't control everything. And I could go on a long tangent about the more you try to control, the less you can, well, I won't go into that. But I will say that potential rejection is part of the deal if you choose to date and look for love. However, if you are attracting emotionally unavailable or non-committal people over and over and over again, then I want you to look at why this is happening because there's something else going on. So one time thing could be an anomaly. It could just be something you have to kind of nurse your heartbreak over and move on. But again, if it's happening over and over and over again, you can just nurse that heartbreak and then start dating again. But like the same thing will probably start happening again because you're playing out some unresolved wound, unresolved pattern. So I want you to keep this in mind as you're reflecting on your own life. And especially with my coaching call with Cece, I'm sure that this will bring up stuff that's going on in your own love life. And look, it's so easy to just want to blame the other person like, well, they're not emotionally available. They're like this. They're like that. And I understand. And it's probably true, right? Like you're probably right in your assessment and that they are not emotionally available. But again, if the pattern is happening over and over again, then you've got to turn the spotlight back onto you and ask yourself from where am I attracting these people? Why am I attracting these people that ultimately aren't ready for what I deeply want? And we can start asking yourself those questions, then the magic really begins to happen. Then things can really begin to transform in your love life. And look, I will admit that this is not easy. It is so much easier just to blame someone else for our woes. Because if we do that, then we don't have to ask ourselves the hard questions. We don't have to do the hard emotional work ourselves. And who wants to do that? It's not easy, right? It's not easy to do this work. But when you do this work, that's when the magic happens, when you can begin to turn the spotlight back on you. And it's not like, oh, what's wrong with me that I'm attracting these people? No, that's not the right mindset either. It's more of from where am I attracting these people? From what wound? From what limiting belief? From what lie am I telling myself that I'm attracting these kinds of relationships? And you ask yourself those questions, you do the work from there. And then that's when your love life will really begin to transform. So let's see together what happens when I do this work with Cece. And as you're listening, you know, I know there's a lot of new listeners to this podcast. I just want to say that just because someone hasn't experienced the exact same situation the exact same experiences you have doesn't mean you can't learn. So what I want you to do as you're listening is just ask yourself, how does this apply for me? Or what's resonating or what's coming up for me as I'm hearing CC talk? Because if you ask yourself those questions, and that's the way that you're, you know, approaching these calls with, then you're going to get so much more out of the episode and so much more actionable content, because you'll be asking yourself, how can I make this work for me? How can I make this apply to me? If you just kind of shut off and say, well, I don't have the exact same situation, or my dad wasn't like that, or this wasn't like that for me, then you're shutting yourself off from the ability to heal. So listen with an open mind and an open heart, and let's get to it. Hi, Cece. Welcome to the show. How can I help? Well, I have a question, and that is about men. I've been single. I've been divorced for since 90, 1996, okay. I'm turning 60 and I'm still meeting men who are afraid to commit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I keep attracting them. I, I do know about my attachment style. So there's that, but I still can't figure it out. Okay. What's your attachment style? 
my attachment style is a little bit anxious and that's because I keep meeting men who can't commit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're a toxin the avoidant type? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you listen to the show? I do. Okay. So you've heard me talk about, you know, childhood, inner child, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what have you been able to kind of figure out on your own so far? So I had a pretty controlling, angry father. And so I think that's where the anxious part comes from is always trying to be good, trying to be small, trying to be not attract any attention. I think that's part of it. My mom, very loving, really an angel, but in order to keep the standards up around the house with four kids, she, she wasn't that available either because she was so busy doing housework mm-hmm. yeah, and stuff. So but I feel like uh, my marriage, I got married when I was um, 23. I didn't feel any anxiety in that, in that relationship at all. We were married for 13 years. Um, there was no, I didn't smother him. I trusted him. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like since I've, since I've divorced and the men that I've dated since then, there's been a number of men, the men that I fall the hardest for are the ones that can't commit. They say yeah. they can, yeah. but ultimately they can't. Okay. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your marriage. Why did, what was the nature of it, you know, generally, and then why did it end? So he was probably my, I was young when I met him, I was 20 and he he was 11 years older than me uh, and really kind, kind man. And he was crazy about me, um, but very kind, um, quite the opposite of my father. And um, ultimately he did have an affair, which he ended and then felt terrible about and still does to this day. And we stuck it out for a while after the affair, but um, it turned into um, fatal attraction. And so it, it wasn't easy to, I forgave him, but it was hard to forget when you had somebody that was constantly throwing it in your face, which was the other woman. Um, so I left, I left the marriage and um, I respect him. He made a mistake and I probably stuffed my feelings a little bit when I found out, I mean, I was angry and stuff and I kicked him out for a while, but our kids were young. And, and so, and I was a stay at home mom. So I kind of needed him, but more than that is his regret and his pain. I just couldn't keep doing that to him. You know, like he, he, he atoned, you know, and I believe in forgiveness, but I think I maybe did that a little too quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this pattern of like, not really feeling your feelings, expressing your feeling, asking for your needs, it's kind of all wrapped up into a similar package. Um, is that a pattern that's existed outside of this marriage? I think when I secure relationship, I really don't have a problem, you know, saying what I need and that kind of thing. And, um, I really don't, but I think that the men that I've met since then, with the exception of one, I was tippy toeing around them, you know, because I, I felt like I, it wasn't really safe to say what exactly what I needed or he would, because they, he would just walk, you know, yeah. oh, I can't, you know. And those are the same men that couldn't commit. Yeah. Okay. And the men who you were in relationship with that had more of a secure attachment, were they able to commit? Yeah. Okay. And last summer, I really, I had a situation that really threw me for a loop and it's just, um, I had a guy who was, I didn't know what love bombing was. I know <laughs> now 
he was a hard sell. I mean, he, you're the perfect woman for me. Uh, I can never seem to get past the three month mark with women, but you, you're different. And that was a, that was a red flag that I missed because he added on the, you, you're different. That was pretty flattering. Yeah. And, uh, he went hot and heavy. I mean, he, I've never been wooed that hard before. And he's not a narcissist. He didn't really understand when he ended it after like three weeks and it was pretty intense. Uh, he said, I don't know what's wrong, but you know, I need some space. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like a Venn diagram between narcissists and love bombing, but it's not necessarily, you know, one and the same. Okay, so we've extracted some information here, done some excavating. Has anything come to light as to why you think you might be attracting these kind of relationships or these kind of men? I kind of feel like it's almost impossible to know that just by talking to them, like initially. Do you know what I mean? Like, I like like my when when I become attracted to somebody, like in, let's say, and let's say, let's talk about like date wise. So, like maybe the first three or four dates that's not when they reveal their unavailability <laughs> except for this. Well, so I feel, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like it's impossible to, the only way that I could prevent it, I think is to slow things down quite a bit. So that, that part of the unavailability part, they reveal that before I get attached. Mm-hmm. Did I um, would you say that you jump into these relationships really quickly? I hardly date, like it doesn't happen very often, but when I, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a very impatient person, very impulsive. So, uh, when I do meet somebody who, you know, we get along really well, I do tend to, yeah, to fall quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the type of woman that goes from one man to the next. Cause I can't be alone. I'm fine being alone. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. Okay. Well, I mean, it probably shouldn't be too surprising to hear if you've been listening to the show that, you know, the anxious attachment part of you, you know, that's not who you are. You weren't born like that. Like that's a learned behavior from childhood. And, you know, from mm-hmm. what you're, what you've shared with me about your mom, you know, you know, doing her best, but also having four kids. And so having a lot on her plate and then your dad, you know, I can only imagine that there's a little girl in there who just desperately wants to be loved and also who probably along the way learned that her needs or her emotions or her opinions or her whatever just doesn't matter. Right. Initially, I'm, I'm a pretty confident person. Like, so mm-hmm. initially when I'm, when I'm meeting, when I'm meeting someone, I, I don't think I'd have a problem once if I found someone who wanted to commit with, you know, getting my needs met. I, I don't. If I met the right guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. So why do you think you're attracting these avoidant type men? I don't know why I'm attracting them, but why I'm attracted to them. I think that sometimes they tend to have a pretty big personality, you know, fairly successful men. And it's not about the money. It's I like a confident. My first husband was pretty quiet. He was not that like he was confident, but quiet. I'm pretty outgoing and gregarious and I like that in a man. And I think maybe successful man, maybe, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. And do those men remind you of somebody? No, not my dad. Okay. What was your dad like? 
my dad was a Virgo. <laughs> my dad was uh, just a difficult, he wasn't gregarious. He was, he was confident and he was, um, but he was not gregarious. He wasn't a lot of fun to be around for, I don't think for anyone, frankly. Um, he was successful, a hardworking, good provider, but uh, I, they don't really remind me of my dad's. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's do this. Go ahead and close your eyes for me. Okay. And I want you to feel how kind of just like the epitome of how you might feel in your love life when you're feeling just frustrated, when you're really wanting to feel loved, when you're really wanting someone to commit to you, to love you, to see you, when you're just in that kind of space. All right. So let me know when you can zone in on that. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. So just feel that for a second. Keep your eyes closed and just breathe. And what does that feeling remind you of? Can I speak of a specific incident? Sure. Um, okay. So it was with this last guy last summer and uh, we live in different cities and we were going, we were going away. And in the days before the trip, I had like pretty full blown panic attacks. I mean, not, I don't think they were real panic attacks, but I, I had to, I had to call my sister who's a therapist and I had to, I got an emergency appointment with my own therapist. So just that that's never happened to me before. Okay. All right. So just keep that feeling. We're not necessarily going back just to something a year ago, but I want you to go back. So this feeling that you're feeling, how you feel, in your love life. I know like you're not always having panic attacks. That was the first time last year, but I mean, just in general, how you feel. Okay. And then going way back. So back to childhood. Yeah. The feeling that you feel in your love life today or now, what does that remind you of? I know what it should remind me of. It doesn't remind me of anything, but I know what it should remind me of. I think I'm blocking it a little bit despite all the work that I've done. I think that I justify, I, I think that I didn't, I was afraid of my dad, but I, I think I closed him off so much that I didn't care that I didn't have a, a loving dad. But I know there must be something deeper inside of me that that was a feeling of rejection and just, you know, wanting to be, wanting to be loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't, I don't think I felt that. I, the emotions that I had when I was growing up to about my father were, I hated him. I was afraid of him and I hated him. Mm -hmm. But I recognize that it's got to, it's got to have something to do with what's, with what's going on. Well, um, do you still feel like you have anger towards him? No, he's passed away and, um, I've done more work with my sister and with my therapist since then um, to understand why he was the way he is. And I have regrets now about just regrets about not understanding him. And as an adult, if I could have bridged that gap or figured out a way to like, what is eating you, dad? You're hurt. Let's talk kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess I'm not, you know, I'm not really angry at him anymore. I think it's more, Ah, uh, it's more the pain for not having a closer relationship with them now, but that's not how I used to feel. Mm -hmm. But obviously 
must have, right? It must have been underneath there. And anger, when you're angry, that comes from being hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When someone's like, yeah, anger is definitely like just like a hurt little boy or hurt little girl inside, for sure. Would you say your 10-year-old self is angry? That's different than you. Yeah. Angry and afraid. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say a couple of things. One is your present day self can be at a different place, either mentally or emotionally from your inner child self. And um, when we're playing out a pattern over and over again, whatever that pattern is, you know, a lot of times it's, well, I mean, not a lot of times, but I mean, on the show, it's, you know, the inner child is definitely playing a role. And when we feel like we're kind of like, I don't know what to do about this. Cause I feel like I'm over it. I feel like I don't care anymore or whatever. More often than not, there is anger hanging out in there somewhere, whether it's from present day self or, you know, one of our inner child children, whatever, a version of our inner child, because if we're not allowing the anger to come out, then just like you said, like a, you know, like how sadness, you know, like a sad little boy or sad little girls, like behind every, behind every angry person or whatever, there's other emotions that are being suppressed. And when other emotions are being suppressed, A, we can't really feel them, but B, we still have emotional needs of wanting to feel connection, of wanting to feel loved, of wanting to feel all of these things. But the thing is with emotions is that we don't get to just say, you know what, I'm not going to feel this, but I'm going to feel this because that feels good. Emotions don't work like that. It's 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 all or none. It's, an, it's really truly an all or none thing. You either get to feel all your emotions or you get to feel none of your emotions. And so that doesn't though get rid of the need to feel these things. And so what often happens, and so that's just like a classic case of something like anxious attachment coming up because it's like, Ooh, I like this person can make me feel a certain way, whether you are conscious or unconsciously aware of that, that can zero you in on that person. For some reason, there's something about that person, some characteristics, some mannerism, some behavior, something that is making you think, Oh, that person can make me feel all of these things that I haven't been able to feel, which can create like the anxious attachment. Like I need this person in order to Mm -hmm. feel good or to survive or whatever the need there, the need there is. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think it's also that, that whole thing about, you know, once I find out a guy can't commit, then I fight really even harder because, and that's that whole thing. Like, Oh, it's the healing the childhood wound. If I can get this guy to to like me, then it heals the wound of my father not being the kind of father. 100%. That, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and um, yeah, and and I do have a hard time letting go because because I just like I think these guys are like you're crazy. What are, what are you waiting for? You know, like so- well, hold on a second. So th- what you just said though is is really important. Like it's you're trying to get this person to commit. In the same way that you probably at some point in your childhood wanted to get your father to see you for who you really were, to love you, to be your dad. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so that tells me that this wound isn't really healed. Because if she's been able to completely release her dad, then you wouldn't be playing out this pattern because you wouldn't need to get that 
person to change for, for right. you. And, and you said one thing earlier when you're talking about your dad and you understand where he came from and why he, you know, might've had some of the behavior that he had. And I don't want to disregard, like, you know, it is true, like hurt people, hurt people. So we can look at our parents and understand whether or not they were abuser or just had some other, like, you know, crappy behavior. We can look at them and understand, oh, well, you know, their parents are like this or their upbringing was like this. And there's definitely healing in that. Cause you know, you can understand that like a, a child doesn't understand that a 10 year old's like, why is my dad treating me like this? Something must be really wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. for my dad to treat me like this. Right. So there is something healing that when you are able to understand that, however, the word understand specifically, like that is on the mental plane that is like, okay, I understand yeah. it. Yep. I see that. Yeah. Yep. But there's the emotional piece too. And I'm not convinced you've done that. I don't, I've been working with a therapist for three years. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to my sister who also, you know, she knows more, more than anyone what happened. And she's a therapist. I don't know how to get, like, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to do it. Like, I just feel like, how do you, I, I've done uh, the rapid eye movement. What is that? E, e whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to do it. Okay. That's why you're here. So you got to feel the feelings. And I think the, the, the very first thing to do is to just do an anger release. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about it on the show before. I did a few episodes on anger last, well, well, not like this will come out in the fall. So last June, like last, last June, June, 2020, yeah. so we'll put some of those episodes in the, um, in the show notes for those listening to hear as well. But what I would do is I would, you know, when you have some do you, do you either live by yourself or have a car? Yeah, I have both. Okay, great. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I would, you know, have an adult temper tantrum, which is exactly what it sounds like. You yell and you scream and you say, F you, F the world, F this, F whatever, just whatever comes out. And I think you would be surprised probably most likely on how much anger and then underneath the anger, the sadness. You know, actually, as you're saying that, I am already like thinking, Oh, I just want to like smash things. Like when you, that, that's, that's what I, that's how, that's what I, how I want to express it is like, if I could go somewhere and just like 
smash things. There are I, places you can do that where you can just like go smash a bunch of shit. Yeah. That sounds can really I, fun. <laughs> can, I, can I just tell you a quick thing? Yeah. I, I did some, I wanted to have like a psychedelic, uh, uh, what do they call it? Not psychedelic, uh, hallucin, uh, like LSD. I didn't do LSD, but that whole thing where it, it helps to uh, heal emotional trauma. So I did that on my own mm-hmm. and um, I, I didn't want to, what, what came from it? The big, the big thing was I was lying there and I saw my heart like it was wrapped up like a Valentine's chocolate heart, mm-hmm. but it was, I was falling into myself and I could see my heart unpeeling layers and layers and layers of foil like I was going back in time. So I thought of the last guy that hurt me and the guy before that and my ex-husband and my dad. So like, that's a really. Hmm. That's that's an interesting visual for yeah. sure. Yeah. Here, here's, here's what I'll say about, you know, like, I think you're referring to EMDR and, um, you know, I mean, even, even talk therapy to an extent, like feeling your emotions is does not actually involve that many words. I mean, sure. You might like just be like, ah, fuck everything. You know, yeah. so that's a word, obviously I get yeah. that. But like, it's more about just like the visual is like just riding the wave of the emotion and you're not trying to catch a raft. You're not trying to get onto the boat. You're just riding the wave until it takes you to the shore. So mm-hmm. that's like the visual that I want you to have when you do an emotional release and anger release. So anger is definitely the place to start because usually anger is what's actually suppressing all of the other emotions. So what might be very common is, you know, you have your, you have your temper tantrum and then you just release the anger, you release the anger, like just let it all spill out. And then over time, whether in that one, you know, time you're doing the anger release or like maybe Mm. the next or the next two times, eventually you'll feel the sadness underneath mm-hmm. and you'll just let it ride out. So you can also think of like a toddler. So you had, you had kids. So when your toddlers had temper tantrums, if you just let them like ride it out, they would just, they would start with the anger. Like, I hate you, mommy. You won't give me yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But then if you just let them do their thing, they'll eventually just be sad. And then they'll like curl up, suck their thumb and go to sleep. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying you have to suck your thumb and curl up and no. go to sleep, but like you can, you can see them going through that. Right. So you're saying to do it more than once if I don't get to that sadness. Oh, I'm saying you're going to need to do this a lot of times. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause, cause I think I'm, I feel like as soon as I do it, I'm going to cry because you're, because it's a, uh, I think you're letting out cause I feel like emotions are kind of like dominoes, mm-hmm. you know? And so once I, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to say like, once you get to the crying and the sad part, oh, okay. I, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant okay. like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll do your release and then you'll probably have some sort you'll, it'll probably feel cathartic. You'll probably feel light or at least lighter than before. Yeah. But you might need to do it a few times. Cause it's, it's just like, it's just like cleaning out all of, all of the gunk. It's like, you don't just like clean something once and you don't have to clean it out ever again. Like gunk will get back up in there. <laughs> Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I would imagine it would be very similar to this. Cause it's not even at this point, like it's not just anger towards your dad. Like that's certainly the core of it. So there's, that's why he's the focus, but there's also probably anger towards exes and all these other men who couldn't commit. And so like, that's going to keep adding on to the gunk just as those memories and those experiences come up. And so the more you can 
really allow yourself to get all that gunk out as much as possible, feel all those feelings, let the anger ride through, let the sadness ride through, then your inner child is really, or you're able to connect with your inner child in a way where you can really be the father and, and to a large extent, the mother for her that you didn't have. And then that allows you to date in a place of like, you know, cause I, I know that like, mentally you want to be like this is me you can take it or leave it and like when you're at a place where you're feeling your best your most confident like I know you're already there because I've seen some of that and you've shared some of that in our conversation today but then there are those other moments where it's that little girl who just wants dad's approval and dad's love do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so the more you're able to reparent her the less she's going to be calling the shots and it's going to be this present day confident self who's like you know what if you don't like the way I don't know, I think about this or the way that I feel or this boundary, then like, you know, have fun, you know, good luck, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, see a, see a next life or whatever, you know, whatever the stupid phrases you could say. But the point is, is that you won't, there won't be that drive to, yeah, I'm going to get this person to love me because that part of you will have been, um, I don't want to say healed as in like we're healed. And then it's like a once and done thing. We move on with our life. Like, I think we're always healing, but at least that part of your life won't be the driving force in your relationships. Because the truth is, is like, I mean, I don't know if you read the book attached. I know that's a really popular book in this community. Um, you know, they talk about why there's more avoidant people, you know, out in the world. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, you know, avoiding people have a difficult time being in a relationship. So it makes sense that they're more single or they're more single, they're single more often. And so they're more out there. Yeah. But that doesn't mean though, that's all that's out there. And it doesn't mean you have to waste your time on them. But if that little 10 year old girl who wants love from dad is the one calling the shots, then you're way more likely to waste your time on them. And I also really do believe, like, I I know you said earlier in our our conversation that um, sometimes, you know, people will say they want to commit, but you can't really see what they're really like, you know, until after a little while. And, you know, I, I really believe that you can probably catch a lot more red flags than you think you can. Mm -hmm. When, this piece of you isn't calling the shots in your love life. Cause sometimes we can just be blind to it because we're just like, got to feel good enough. Got to feel loved. Got to feel like, or whatever that like very deep need is from the inner child can sometimes blind us to, you know, what's there or create like a selective hearing condition. So I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I, I would just, I would just, I, I do think that you can kind of pick up on, you know, like the love bombing, right? Like that's a really good example. Yeah. But I think that there's probably other examples like that, that you've probably experienced. And if I was like a little birdie on your shoulder while you were dating, I could probably be like, mm, Cece, I don't know about that. That feels a little sketchy, but it's harder to see that when there's this piece of you that just so desperately wants to be loved. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I've met somebody that I'm just really quickly that I, that and I know that there's an issue with men who are ready to commit uh, that they I'm having, he's not as dynamic as the men that I'm attracted to. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, he's available. I, 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 that, that, that whole thing about, you know, there's less drama. He's more, Never mind. It's a whole, that's a whole different, let's cut. Yeah. That yeah. We don't have time to go into that today, but what I will say just quickly about that is when we are attracted to somebody 
And at the time of this recording, I haven't released it yet, but by the time this recording goes live, I have an emotional availability assessment. So we can look at our own emotional availability. And I talk about this because this is super, super common. Oh, so, it's like a quiz. I can give my perspective dates. <laughs> it's not a quiz. <laughs> well, yeah. You could do it like that. I don't know if I would. But anyways, uh, because, well, because I do think that if the pattern that we're experiencing is attracting emotionally unavailable person after emotionally unavailable person, I think we do have to look at our own emotional availability. And I think a lot of times when we look at emotional availability, we think of like the stereotypical straight male issue of like not being able to commit. And like, yes, I get that's definitely a piece of being emotionally unavailable, but there's also other ways that we can be emotionally unavailable. And so like wanting to get something like to feel good enough from somebody, like, which is kind of the pattern that you've been in. That's also a form of emotional availability-ness or unavailability-ness, but it's like, it's obviously exhibiting different than how like a straight male might exhibit. So it's, it's, more in disguise. We don't necessarily see it for what it is. Anyway, so the assessment will um, will help and I'll have that in the show notes. And then um, that will, I'm releasing that in a couple of weeks from when we're actually recording this. So you'll be able to download that once you- um, I will check once, it out. Once, actually, I think it might be there so I can I can secretly send it to you. Anyways, I can't remember if it's it's on the website already. Um, anyways, my, my point is, and um, saying all of this is that when we are in fact emotionally- unavailable as well. We can attract emotionally unavailable because there's a sense of like that being familiar or safe, you know, what we've been talking or, or needing to get something, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. But another thing that can happen is when we do then attract someone who's emotionally available. So like this person that you're talking about, there are a couple things can happen. One, like it can kind of seem a little bit boring. Um, and that's because we're used to like love being this like up, down, up, down kind of chase thing. And so like, obviously in the ups, like that feels like amazing, feels great. feels like, Oh, you know, the angels are singing, but the problem with that is that's not really love. That's just your itch getting scratched or your void getting filled, so to speak. And so part of this is actually relearning what love is because love is way more stable and constant. And, And so that will help you become more available for those types of, of men. And then the other thing is just that they, they just scare you. It's like, Ooh, like you actually want me to connect with you, like not just through sex, but like emotionally, you know what I mean? And so that can just be a whole other can of worms that will take time to, to practice and, and, and work towards. Um, so that's what I'll say about that. So just to know that this isn't like you sabotaging yourself, you're not like crazy or dumb or naive or whatever you might say about like, this is just why this is happening. And I think, putting some logic and understanding behind it helps you to then shift the behavior. Cause then it's, it just makes it like, oh, okay, I understand this now. You yeah. Know, it's yeah. Like a, a little bit of a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that information about the anger release. So I'll definitely give that a try. Yeah. Try it. I, I feel think. like I could go into the middle of a forest where I could take a <laughs> hockey stick and just bang on trees. Yeah. That would be great. Or, or I, rocks, I, maybe rocks. To all the yeah. Trees. I think that would be amazing. I think that'd be yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. I picture myself like maybe bang, hockey stick banging on rocks and on a cliff and then just not a high cliff, but then just jumping into the water and just feeling free. Like that's yeah. do that. I know I have the perfect spot. So, Oh, I love it. I think that's the perfect. whole lake will hear me, but whatever. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> awesome. Well, right. keep me updated. Okay. All right, Veronica, thank you. Thank you, Cece, for coming onto the show. As always, I so appreciate your time and your courage and your vulnerability. 
Now, in the beginning of our call, I spent some time with CC connecting the dots. And this is where I begin with all of my clients. When you do inner child work, you've got to begin to know what you don't know. You've got to understand why you do what you do so that we can begin to heal. Now, with Cece, even though in many ways her adult self had come to terms with her dad and even had built some compassion for where he came from, her inner child had not forgotten. And and by the way, this is super common. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with a client and they're like, oh, I'm over that. Or, oh, like, you know, I figured out that like my mom had this kind of upbringing. And so I can understand that and blah, 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 blah. And as I mentioned to Cece, yes, you can logically begin to understand and there's lots of healing in that, but it doesn't necessarily heal the actual wound. And this is important to remember because your inner child is the place in which we see the world. And so we have to go deep because that's where you begin to understand what's true and how you receive love and what it means to be loved and how to get love and all of those things. So for example, if you deep down believe that being fat is bad and it makes you less lovable, this was a huge core wound for me. It's going to take a lot more than simply understanding that many models are airbrushed and photographs to heal that. Like, yeah, I can get that. I can logically understand that. And I can begin to see that like, what even be my ideal body type isn't even real. That doesn't change the core belief that being fat is bad and makes me less lovable. That's the work that I have to do. And it's the same thing when it comes to your love life. So despite the work that Cece had done, the emotional layer isn't a layer that she's dealt with too much. Now, this is not to write off the work she's already done with her therapist or sister. It's just simply another layer. That's it. In fact, the work she's done with her therapist or sister may have given her the strength to leave relationships going nowhere sooner than otherwise or to show up confidently on the first few dates. It's really impossible to know where she would be in her love life having you know, had she had done zero work. And I just say this because sometimes, you know, it's easy to write off, well, I've done this course, or I worked with this coach, or I worked with this therapist, and look at me, I'm still doing this, or I'm still doing that. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, where might you be had you not done any of the work? And obviously, this is the hypothetical, we don't need to live in the hypothetical, we don't really know. But I just think it's important to think about because I don't want you to write off all the other work that you've done as completely worthless or a waste of time, because it's most likely not. If you have done any kind of personal growth work, any kind of investment in yourself, whether it was a book or a therapist or a coach or whatever, you grow in some ways from that. It might not get you to exactly where you want to go yet, but you are certainly on the path. Another theme that came up is Cece's own emotional availability. Now, it's so easy to point the finger at others and their own emotional unavailability. I've talked about this. I don't need to go too much in detail here, but I have no doubt that the men Cece attracted, you know, I have no doubt they weren't emotionally available, but there are other more sneaky ways that you can be emotionally unavailable in ways that are less obvious or stereotypical. And I think a lot of times women end up being emotionally unavailable in these ways, not because again, men and women are fundamentally different or from Mars or from Venus or whatever the freak that is, but different in the ways that we are socialized in our society. So for example, we live in a society where a woman's worth is often based on her age 
her status, so whether or not she's married and has children, her body size, and also the amount of free labor that she gives, right? Like, so like being a stay at home mom is in higher value to a working mom. Now, that's obviously not what I believe, but that's just the stereotype. That's typically what is the running underlying truth in the patriarchal world that we live in, okay? And so I say this because if we draw our worthiness from any of those things, like our relationship status, our body size, how helpful we are, how caring or nurturing or whatever these things are that we as a society put worth on, then we are outsourcing our worthiness and that in of itself makes you less emotionally available because you're trying to get that worthiness from other people or other things rather than yourself, right? And so like, there aren't that many movies about this, you know what I mean? But there's like movies all the time about men being non-committal and then magically like turning over a new leaf and becoming committal and, you know, wanting the person that whatever changed them, right? So like, that's a running, of course, narrative that runs deep in our society. Uh, But the ways in which women can be emotionally unavailable, like not asking for what we need or how we feel or, you know, trying to play it cool or be fun loving or easygoing or all of these things in order to be loved or to get the person, particularly the guy to stay. These are all the ways in which we as women can be emotionally unavailable and then therefore not just attract, but accept kind of the crap that comes with being in an emotionally unavailable relationship. So just like I recommended to Cece, I invite you to check out my emotional availability assessment. It'll give you an honest look at where you are in your own emotional availability and give you some tools to become more emotionally available so you can attract more of that as well. And you can download it for free at veronicagrant.com forward slash assessment. And I just want to say that I do think that when we are more emotionally unavailable, we attract more unavailable people and relationships into our life, not because of like some woo-woo law of attraction thing, although maybe, I don't know, I'm not God, I don't know all of these things for sure. But what I do know is that when we are emotionally unavailable, then other unavailable people are safer, right? And I talked a little bit about this with Cece on our call. You know, if someone is also a little bit distant and not really able to give us what we want or what we need, then there's a little bit of safety in that. We can't really get disappointed because deep down we know where this relationship's probably going to go. Do you know what I mean? So that is a way in which we can attract emotionally unavailable people because it just feels a little bit safer. It also feels familiar. You kind of know what to do. You know how to navigate it. You know how to bitch about it with your friends. And again, that's another way in which we can be in an emotionally unavailable relationship when we're unavailable ourselves. The other thing that can happen, and again, I talked about this with Cece, I just want to highlight here is that we can get addicted to the high highs of a kind of dysfunctional or unhealthy relationship. So when a relationship is healthy, it's more static, right? Not boring, just static. It's more steady. Whereas a dysfunctional relationship is going to have high highs, fireworks, chemistry, all these things, and then it's going to be real low lows, right? And the high highs, you can mistake that for for love because ultimately those moments, those high highs are ultimately filling in your wounds and filling in your voids. And again, this is another way that we can accept emotionally unavailable relationships into our life when we ourselves are emotionally unavailable. So again, you can download the assessment for free at veronicagrant.com forward slash assessment.
So ultimately, the work I do with clients is helping them to become more emotionally available. And perhaps you've done a lot of this work. Perhaps you've read books, maybe talked ad nauseum in your therapy sessions about your childhood and relationships. And yet here you are in your love life, not really where you want to be quite yet. And ultimately, what you might find the problem is, is that you're unsure of how to bridge the gap between what you know to be true about yourself, what you've learned about personal development, what you've learned about relationships and patterns and all that kind of stuff, but you still aren't actually able to see the difference in your love life. You're not getting the fruits of your labor, in other words. So if you've been listening to my show for a while, you know that I too struggled for years in love. Ultimately, I wasn't emotionally available, even though I desperately wanted a relationship and to feel loved. And so I tried for years to achieve emotional intimacy through physical intimacy and only got hurt again and again. So when I experienced failed relationship after failed relationship, it was hard not to think I was doing something wrong and needed to be fixed. And it got harder as more and more of my friends started coupling off. And of course, I try to convince myself that eh, I don't really want a relationship. If it happens, it's nice, but not a need to have. My career is more important anyways. And all of this just created a deeper wound, making it even easier for me to ignore red flags and kind of just fall for someone's charm. I guess you could call it that. So I was really good at dating, but what I wasn't good at was being able to be in an emotionally available relationship. And this is essentially the work I do with clients. I don't care if you date online or off. I don't care about the dating rules. In fact, you can follow whatever rules you want as long as they're within your boundaries and what feels true for you. What I care about is you doing the deep work so you can find deep love. I often hear from people that they'd rather be single than settle. And of course, I would rather you be single than settle too. However, that is a false dichotomy. There is another option, which is to be in a fun, loving, and equal relationship. And no dating tricks will help you do that. The only way to do that, the only way to get to that place is doing the deep work and then being able to apply that inner work, that deep work to the actual dating, to your actual relationship so things can change for you. So when we work together, we'll begin with the inner child work so we can begin to put a stop to your patterns, understand where they came from, heal the wounds, all of those things. I'll help you trust yourself so that you can also trust others and know when it's okay to trust and when it's okay not to trust because just because you want to be more trusting doesn't mean everyone is deserving of your trust. I'll help you have strong boundaries, how to communicate that, how to have tough conversations and be vulnerable in a way that's appropriate for where the relationship actually is. So if this sounds like something you need in your love life and you're ready to get unstuck, have your blind spots revealed and finally have a very clear path to move forward with tools that are very tangible while also embracing the woo and the inner work, I'd love to work with you. Your next step is to sign up for an introductory call with me so that we can see if we're a good fit to work together or not. Just head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Fill out the form there. And once you submit the form, you'll be redirected to my calendar where you can book your introductory call spot. I really look forward to connecting with you soon. All right, my dear, that is all I've got for you. I hope you're participating in the podcast tour. Again, veronicagrant.com forward slash pod tour to get all the podcasts that are participating. I hope to chat with you in an introductory call if 
Working together sounds like it might be the next right step for you. And no matter what, I hope to see you next week on the podcast with a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection. And in that episode, I will be sharing a little bit more about my worthiness journey, especially as it relates to my body. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.